Genesis chapter 22, verses 9 through 18. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice." The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. We are continuing our sermon series uh, for this semester, and we're talking about how to become whole. Today's message is called With Your Whole Heart. And we're picking up with, our, with uh, Abraham, uh, who we met last week, and uh, we were talking about this friendship that Abraham was forming with God where he was learning to trust God and learning uh, to, to take steps in faith, even though they weren't certain. And so, you know, we were talking about, uh, we use this example from uh, Aladdin, where Aladdin says to Jasmine, do you trust me? And in many ways, God is asking us in every moment, do you trust me? Will you take my hand? Will you walk with me? And there are many things, I think, in this journey of learning to uh, trust God and learning to love God, where sometimes I think, uh, for, for many of us who have been in the church for a long time, that sometimes I feel like it can be just words, you know? Uh, it, 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 you definitely see with Abraham, it wasn't just words, it was action, right? But I think in any kind of relationship, sometimes we say things, and I'm not sure if we completely mean them, um, you know, maybe you think about uh, saying to somebody that you love, I love you with all my heart. What does that mean? Well, it sounds good, right? It, it sounds good. It sounds really romantic, right? But I think what most people mean by that is I feel very strong emotions for you, right? That's actually what it means for most people. You know, like, oh man, I, I just feel all these things in my heart and I just, I, I love you and I want to be with you. And, and it's a feeling, right? And so obviously uh, we know this for human beings uh, in, in even the most intense love relationships, those feelings can change, right? And so you may say that you love that person with all your heart, but it's conditional. It's really just kind of based on the moment. And I wonder if many of us have said those kinds of things to God. God, I love you with all my heart. With all my heart, I worship you. I'll serve you. There's actually a song that I used to sing when I was in youth group and college. It's a few years old, but maybe some of you guys might know it. 
Uh, it's called, uh, Lord, I Give You My Heart. And uh, I, I won't sing the, the whole song for you, but it goes like this. This is my desire to honor you. Some people have criticized me for singing too much in the sermon, so that, that's all you're going to get. But I want to read the words for you, right? It says, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within me, I give you praise. All that I adore is in you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. In every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. It's beautiful. They're beautiful words. But my question is, are they just words? I remember once uh, I heard somebody preach, uh, and, and he was talking about this song in particular. And he was saying, you know, how many times are we kind of singing this song? And we say, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. But it's actually kind of like this. We're doing it with one hand. And maybe God is saying to us, okay, you're saying that. That's good, right? <laughs> you, you, you give me your heart. You give me your soul. But what's that behind your back? Oh, oh, this God? Oh, this is just my pride. This is just my habit, right? This is my hobby. Oh, this is just my romantic relationship. What is it that's behind your back, right? And that's what we're talking about today. We have said that this whole uh, sermon series is about learning to become whole. And in many ways, we want to learn then, what does it mean to give to God your whole heart, not just part of it? Right? And so we mentioned this last week, that in many ways, when we are learning to be friends with God, it is a journey, right? It was for Abraham, and it will be for us. And I want to assure you, we're not always going to do this perfectly. But what we know is that we have a gracious God who's going to walk with us every step. And so maybe today we're going to hear some things that are kind of challenging. The story of Abraham and Isaac is a really challenging story. You know, and in modern times, it might even sound crazy to many of us, right? And so maybe for, I, I, before you kind of write off the story of Abraham and Isaac and be like, oh, Pastor Steve, that's too extreme. You know, I'm young. You know, God wouldn't ask that of me. I just want, want to just give you this sort of uh, uh, reminder that it is all a journey, right? And so maybe you may not feel like you're ready for some of the things that, that it's going to talk about in this story, but just to say, are you willing to at least walk, to learn, to be open to where God might be taking you? So I want to kind of back up from where we started. We started in verse 9 of Genesis 22, but I want to go back to the beginning of Genesis 22. And so to see where this, this uh, journey began, where Abraham ends up uh, almost sacrificing his son. So we're told that, uh, you know, Basically, uh, Isaac was this kind of miracle child, right? And if you guys remember, last week we talked about the promise that God made to Abraham to make him a great nation and to bless him, right? And that blessing was supposed to come through uh, uh, the children that Abraham would bear through Sarah. But Sarah was very, very old. And Abraham himself was very, very old. And so uh, it, it was many, many years before they finally had a son, but God was good uh, on his promises, and they did have a son 
Isaac, right? This miracle child who probably meant the world to Abraham and, and, and Sarah, right? And we are told that after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. I want you to notice that. Throughout this, this passage, you're going to hear Abraham continually say, here I am. I think it is one of the ways that you see Abraham responding in faith to the call of God, right? He's not like, oh, that, no, that wasn't God. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I must be imagining things. He says, here I am. There's a receptivity. I'm right here, God. I'm listening, right? And so he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, what is this all about? God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. This is not just something that you do on a whim, right? But God does realize how important Isaac is to Abraham, right? You see that in the way he talks about Isaac. Take your son, your only son, Isaac. Now, Abraham did have uh, children through concubines, through, um, through uh, servants, right? But it, it, Isaac was his only son through Sarah. Uh, and, and so he is this fulfillment of this promise, right? Your only son, Isaac, whom you love, right? God's like, I know you love Isaac. I know Isaac is this miracle child. I know you've been waiting for Isaac all these years. Now take Isaac. Take him to where I'm telling you to bring him. And I want you to sacrifice him. That's, that's heavy, right? But you see, again, just like Abraham says, here am I. Just like when God said, Abraham, go to this land that I'm going to show you. You don't know where it is. You don't know what's going to happen, but trust me, go, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And Abraham goes. So just like that, verse 3, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Um, <laughs> there's a couple things here uh, with, with that, that whole third day thing. I mean, you're going to see a lot of symmetry in a lot of these biblical stories. There's going to be another story where a father sacrifices his son. And you're going to see something miraculous happen on the third day, right? Uh, this kind of interesting symmetry you see there in the Bible. But also, it's the third day, right? They've been walking for more than two days, and Abraham has been carrying this the whole time. And then there comes a point where Abraham goes off with Isaac by himself, and there's this heart-wrenching exchange where they're walking along, and Isaac says to his father, so Isaac is old enough to speak to Abraham and to, to like look at the situation, right, and be like, hey, Dad, where are we going? It's like, oh, we're going to give an offering to the Lord. Well, it's just you and me. Where's the animal? Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide the offering, my son. The Lord will provide. 
But he's also kind of, it's like a double meaning. The Lord will provide the offering, my son. My son. Because you are the offering. Right? It's a heartbreaking exchange. And then you see, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his son, reached out his hand, excuse me, and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now, by the way, that, that way, that, that kind of name of the Lord, it has become a sacred name uh, for God, um, which it, it can be translated, the Lord will provide, but it also can be translated, translated as the Lord sees, right? The, the Lord sees what? The Lord sees Abraham, right? He has not forgotten Abraham, right? And so the Lord provides, the Lord has seen to it. Um, and, and as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Friends, sometimes we hear this story and, you know, like I said, maybe some of us are like, wow, this is such an extreme story in some ways. But maybe for some of us, especially if you've been in the church for a long time, you, you kind of dismiss it a little bit. You're like, oh, okay, you know, everything turned out okay, right? You know, God didn't ultimately ask Abraham to sacrifice his son, you know, and, and he was blessed. Everything turned out well. But I think one of the things we have to keep in mind is for Abraham, he didn't know that, right? Abraham didn't know that the Lord was going to provide. But when the Lord did, it's the thing that, that Abraham has emphasized, right? The Lord will provide. We're going to call this place the, 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 that, that, uh, it, that we're going to name this place the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. When Isaac asks Abraham, where is the sacrifice? Where is the animal? And he says, the Lord will provide, right? This was Abraham's hope right? But the thing is, Abraham was being asked to give up what was most important to him, right? Now, of course, you know, for anyone, like, like you know, <laughs> for parents, our most precious thing, I mean, you can't call them things because they're people, right? But the most precious, you know, possession that we have, they're not possessions either, the most precious gift Man, the English language is hard. <laughs> the most precious is our children, right? 
We call them their gifts from God, right? The first time you see your child, I remember seeing my daughters for the first time and just feeling so incredibly blessed. You know, just looking at them and just feeling just nothing but love and gratitude. God, thank you. Thank you. This is such a gift. And can you imagine, you know, Abraham and Sarah, Abraham, 100 years old, right? And, and, and looking at this son and saying, God, thank you. Thank you for being faithful, right? All these years, Abraham had walked in faith, right? And all these years, they wondered, God, would you provide? Would you provide? Would you provide, right? You told me you're going to make me a great nation. How can you be a great nation if you don't have any descendants? But then God finally provides, right? And then God says, okay, Abraham, I want you to give him back. I want you to give him back to me. Why? Why why would God do that? I mean, there's a few hints here, right? But what we're told is that, you know, it says, you shall be blessed, right? Um, Because you have obeyed my voice. Because you have obeyed my voice, right? There is a way that Abraham learns to trust in God that is different than the way most of us trust. What most of us trust is what we can see and what we have, like our possessions, our money, right? That's where all our security comes, right? And for Abraham, he has in many ways what he needs, his promise, his son, right? What was the promise? You're going to make me a great nation. You're going to have lots of descendants. Well, here I have a descendant right here, right? And so now here's the question. Abraham, what are you going to trust? Are you going to trust what is in your hands right now? Or are you going to trust me, who you cannot see, who you cannot touch, but who has been faithful your entire life? What will you trust more, right? Now, is there a way in which Abraham could have been like, okay, God, thanks so much for everything you've done so far. Thank you so much for guiding me, but you gave me the son, and I'm going to keep him. You know, this is my promise now. This is what I'm going to trust in. This is going to be everything that I've lived for, right? And so, friends, you know, for a lot of us, we have to ask the question, what are we living for, right? Like, like what, what is it? What are we all chasing? And for many of us, we're chasing these tangible things like money, like success, like a job, like a family, children, these things. But for what? What is it all for? Right? And and we, we were told last week when we looked at Hebrews, right, that Abraham was looking forward to a country, right? He was looking forward to a city, a city without foundations, not a physical city. But it's more like a concept, the kingdom of God, the place that God will always provide, right? This is what Abraham was living. He wasn't living for this goal where, ah, I've arrived. Now I have the kid. Now I have the city. Now I have the descendants. And now I rest. That's what most of us want. What Abraham was living for was this. It was just this. This is what Abraham was living for. He was living for this journey with God, learning to obey step by step 
by step. Learning to trust in the living God, right? And, and we see that so much through Abraham's life, where he learns to trust in God, not in the things that God is giving, but in God. It's so subtle, isn't it? It's so easy for us to fall on the things that, that we know and the things that we want. And we might even say, well, God gave me those things. God gave me my talents. God gave me you know, the ability to get an education. God gave me my family. God gave me my wealth. Whatever it might be. It's so easy to see those things and, and, and to, to trust in the things that God has given more than God himself. But Abraham does not do that. Right? And so, friends, you know, you, you got to ask the question what is it you are really living for? What do you really want? And what is ultimately going to make you whole? A lot of us, and we might even do it in the name of God, right? But we have something other than God Himself that we are trusting in for our happiness and our security. Another way that we put this sometimes is idols. Right? Is there something that you love more than God? Or is there something that you trust in more than God? Is there something that you think will make you happy other than God himself? Right? Even good things. Right? Make no mistake, Isaac was a gift from God. Isaac was a good thing. Children are a good thing. Your jobs are good things, right? I mean, they can be. <laughs> you know, money can be a tool. All these things can be good, but they are not God. They are inferior to God. They are below God. They are just tools, right? And if we do not get our first allegiance straight, our first love straight, our first trust straight, then all of those other things are going to do nothing but bring you away from God, right? Because you're going to trust in those things more than you trust in God, right? And so there are these times in our lives, you know, maybe you'll have a time like this, you know, like Abraham did, where God is asking you, will you trust me more than you trust these other things? Do you love me? Do you trust me? Do you worship me with your whole heart? Or is there a part of your heart that is divided, that is trusting in something else, that is loving something else? This is a big deal in Scripture, friends, right? I mean, if you think about the first commandments, right? You shall have no other gods before me, nothing else, right? And I want to show you in a couple other passages. This is Psalm 86, 11 through 12, where it talks about this idea it says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart. In the NIV, it says, give me an undivided heart so that I may fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. In Ezekiel, it says, and I will give them one heart, or again, in the NIV, it says, I will give them an undivided heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my God and I will be their people. This is the promise of God. I'm going to give you an undivided heart. Right? And God wants to teach us how to do that. 
And so there are times where maybe God might be asking you, hey, is there something that is dividing your heart, right? Is there something that maybe you need to remove from that or at least bring it into subservience, bring it below what is most important, and that is following me, obeying me. And friends, you know, I have to say that sometimes you hear passages like this or you hear stories like this and you're like, Pastor Steve, that's so hard, right? I mean, you know, what might God be asking of me? I don't know if I could do that. If God were to ask me something similar, something that I really love, something that I've learned to rely upon and ask me to remove it, I don't know that I can. And friends, I want to remind you of that second story of a father giving his son. But this time, it wasn't Abraham. Right? And maybe you're, you're saying like, God, you know, how can you be so cruel? You ask a father to give his only son. But then we know that's exactly what God does. Right? God gives his only son, his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And this time, the knife doesn't get pulled back. But this time, Jesus goes to the cross and he dies, right? Friends, we, we, we said that, that name of God, that holy name of God, the Lord will provide. The Lord sees us, right? And in this case, the Lord has provided for himself the sacrifice. And that was Jesus, right? But this time, the sacrifice was provided in order that we could become the friends of God, and become the people who know that this God is trustworthy? That's a question that we all have, right? Maybe for Abraham too, you know, you come to this moment where you've been trusting God your whole life, but now God has been asking you to take it deeper. Say, Abraham, are you going to trust me with the most precious thing in your life, right? Not only your son, but this entire promise, this entire endeavor, in your mind, you think it hinges upon Isaac. But I'm telling you, it does not hinge on Isaac. It hinges on me. Will you trust in me? Will you give even this thing that is so precious and important to you, that you think you cannot live without? Will you give that to me? You can only do that, friends, if you know the goodness of God. Right? We said this last week. When you take a step of faith, the goodness of God will rise to meet it. And you see that with Abraham again and again and again. And here again, when Abraham, I mean, we don't really know what's going on. The writer of Hebrews thinks that Abraham probably figured, even if I kill Isaac, I mean, this is God we're talking about. God could bring him back from the dead, right? And then we have God giving up his own son. And God brings him back from the dead. There's nothing this God can't do. There is no limit to this God's goodness, right? That God would give his own son for us. Indeed, the Lord provides. I want to close by asking you, um, you know, I, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. You know, maybe some of us are just kind of uh, beginning or learning, learning to trust in this God, 
But maybe some of you are at a point where God is asking to take you a little bit deeper. And maybe this question is for you. What might be your Isaac? What might be that thing in your heart that is dividing your heart from God, right? Now, this story took place during a time when uh, in many parts of the world, probably, human sacrifice would have been a thing, right? And for Abraham to hear from God, um, hey, you know, give, give up your son, and it would have been a little bit of an unusual request, but in that time and place, maybe for some people, they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, sometimes gods do that, right? We know now that God doesn't ask, us, uh, ask that of us to, to you know, to, to kill anyone for him, right? We know that, right? So, you know, speaking metaphorically, figuratively, what is that Isaac in your heart? What is that thing that you think you cannot live without? The thing that you've pinned all your hopes and dreams, your kind of program for happiness, the way that you are trying to make yourself whole, God is asking you to trust him, to say, can you give this thing to me? Can you remove this from your heart? And maybe it can't be removed entirely, but maybe it's got to be taken off the pedestal where you've come to worship this thing, where you've come to think it's all important, and you need to take it and you need to lay it at the feet of Jesus so God can give it back to you in the appropriate way. That's what God does with Isaac, right? He gives Isaac back to Abraham, but now Isaac is no longer his idol, right? Abraham does not worship Isaac. Abraham does not think Isaac is going to be the the, the, the answer to all his problems, right? He knows only God alone can do that. Only God alone can provide, right? And that's what God wants to teach you. What is dividing your heart from serving the Lord wholeheartedly? And I ask the praise team to come up. Let's just take a moment to bring that before the Lord. You know, don't assume that you know, but would you be willing to find out, friends? Would you be willing to ask God honestly? Um, I think in my life there have been many times where there are things that I, I just think, I can't live without it, I can't live without it, until you live without it, and then you're like, oh, I didn't really need that after all. You know, there are many, many times, many, many things like that. You know, we have very, very strong attachments very, very strong emotion to these things. And in many ways, we become slave to those things because we think we need them. But friends, what you need most is a relationship with God where you come to trust Him, where you come to know Him as your sole provider. He will provide. He sees you. He will not abandon you. He's not asking this of you because He is a cruel God. He's asking this of you because he wants you to have an undivided heart. He wants you to trust him wholly. He wants you to know him in a way where he can be your savior. Where you can know that he truly is good. That he truly is God. Maybe you've been wondering that. Can I trust this God? Friends, this is one way to find out. We already have the proof. The proof is Jesus Christ. The proof is the cross. The proof is the empty tomb. He has the goodness. He has the power. He has the glory. He will provide. So friends, if there's anything that maybe, yeah, you can ask that question, God, 
What might be my Isaac? What is dividing my heart? Maybe in faith, you know, uh, you can just kind of bring that before God. Maybe in faith, you can just open your hands, let go, release it, whatever that might be. God, it is yours. God, we lay this at your feet. God, we want to trust you completely. You are the God who provides. We don't need to provide for ourselves. We don't need to save ourselves. We don't need to look at our own devices and our own ways of becoming happy and finding wholeness. Lord, we can find it in you when we come before you with empty hands saying that we trust you wholeheartedly. God, be with us that we may all learn in this journey how to trust you more, how to know you, God, as this faithful, providing God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.